Today in the Joy in the Word podcast, we pick up in the book of Nehemiah, and we're in chapter 3. Chapter 3 is entitled Builders of the Wall, and it literally goes through and lists the people that were involved in the rebuilding of the wall at each particular gate uh, specifically. Now, 10 gates are listed, the Sheep Gate, Fish Gate, Jeshana Gate, Valley Gate, Dung Gate, Fountain Gate, Water Gate, Horse Gate, East Gate, and Inspection Gate. And then it goes through and lists the people involved uh, with each of these gates. You can read chapter 3 for yourself in its entirety because it's just simply that information. And it talks about um, how each family contributed and their sons and their daughters and everyone around them um, working together to repair these gates. Then we, we move on to chapter four, and it's entitled Opposition to the Rebuilding. And we met some of these um, opposers earlier, but now we meet them again. In chapter four, it says, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Obviously, a series of negative questions implying that they're not going to be able to do what they're setting out to accomplish. In response to that, Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side, says, What are they building? Even if a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their walls of stone. Again, being negative. So, Nehemiah's response is to pray. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So then it says, We rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come up and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. 
When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in their other hand. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued work with half the men holding their spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, Have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and workmen by day. Neither I nor my brothers, nor my men, nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. So this chapter clearly discussing the opposition to the rebuilding, to the point that half of the men at one point were working, half of them were armed, ready to fight off any attacker. Even those who carried materials had to have a weapon in one hand and whatever they were carrying in the other hand. Nehemiah says they went so far as to never even take off their clothes to be undressed, meaning they were always, always ready. The historian Josephus says it this way, quote, Nehemiah himself made the rounds of the city by night, never tiring, either through work or lack of food and sleep neither of which he took for pleasure, but only as a necessity, end quote. So Nehemiah literally laid down his life for this project. Then in chapter 5, it tells us how Nehemiah, even in the middle of the rebuilding, is able to help the poor. It says that the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their Jewish brothers. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's taxes on our fields and vineyards. Although we are of the same flesh and blood as our countrymen, and though our sons are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. Now they're talking about enslaved to their own countrymen. This is not to foreigners, but amongst the Israelites themselves. So picking up in verse 6, it says, When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, You are exacting usury from your own countrymen. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as possible, we have bought back our Jewish brothers who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your brothers only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. Clearly they were guilty and could not respond to the accusations because they knew that they were guilty. This according to the law. 
given by Moses, of course, in Exodus chapter 22. Now picking up in verse 9, it says, So I continued, What you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain. But let the exacting of usury stop. Give back to them immediately their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and houses, and also the usury you are charging them, the hundredth part of the money, grain, new wine, and oil. We will give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. Then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. Then verse 13 is symbolic. It says, I also shook out the folds of my robe and said, In this way, may God shake out his house and possessions every man who does not keep this promise. So may such a man be shaken out and emptied. At this, the whole assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord, and the people did as they had promised. Moreover, from the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor, this was in 433 B.C., in the land of Judah, until the thirty-second year, which was twelve years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor, but the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took forty shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lorded over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. So he's, he's simply saying the people before me took advantage of their situation. But let it be clear that I am not doing that out of my reverence for God. He goes on to say, Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from surrounding nations. So he provided for the needy and the poor as well. Then it ends by saying, In spite of all this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor, because the demands were heavy on these people. Remember me with favor, O oh my God, for all I have done for these people. So he wants it to be clear that he didn't take advantage of anyone. And clearly, he is laying down his life for the wall to be rebuilt, for the restoration to come at the point of not eating and even not sleeping. And that ends chapter 5. We will pick up next time in chapter 6.